You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, the last few weeks we've been in the book of Philippians, and we have been talking through God's design to bring joy in our life. And I love this book here in the book of Philippians, and um, we're in the third chapter, but Paul uh, wrote the book of Philippians under some uh, just really difficult circumstances. The book of Philippians is actually one of the, the letters that Paul wrote to a church while he was in prison. And this would be probably the place that you would think that there would be zero joy at. But all through the book of Philippians to, this, to the church in Philippi here, Paul writes about this amazing joy that God's designed for joy in different areas of our life. And so the first week, we talked about joy no matter what. We know that we go through tough stuff, that we all go through tough stuff, and that tough stuff is, is hard sometimes. But God gives us joy in the midst of those hard situations, and it happens when we fix our eyes on Jesus. And Paul begins to define the difference in chapter 1 between happiness and joy. See, happiness involves the things that the circumstances around us, what comes to us. You get a new car, you're happy. You get a pay raise at your job, you're happy. And also, conversely, that your car breaks down, you're unhappy. Or you don't get that raise and you're unhappy. But Paul defines true joy not around the things that happen outside of us, but to the, what happens inside of us. And joy comes only from the Spirit of God, that God gives us true joy. And that gives us the ability to have joy no matter what. But we have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as the source of our joy. And when we choose to do that, then no matter what the circumstance is, that we have joy. And last week, we had a a little bit of a difficult sermon because we talked about joy in our relationships. And it wasn't difficult except that the way that we bring joy in our relationships is by modeling Christ. Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes these words, let this same attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus concerning your relationships. And then he goes on and he defines the attitude that Jesus had when the Father asked him to leave his heavenly position and to come to earth and be made like us and then to become obedient to death on the cross. And the scripture says this, that this model that Jesus gave, that he didn't look at his Father and go, God, that's not fair. Jesus didn't do that. He could have. The scripture says he didn't look at his position in heaven as equality, something to be grasped for, but he laid it down. Why did he do that? Because it was a model for us, because he was not operating out of the idea of fairness, but he was operating out of the abundance of the love of the Father. And in our relationships, we have to choose the same thing, even when things get difficult, even when things might be tough. Not to base things in fairness. Why? Fairness says, listen, you you were kind to me, I'll be kind to you. You were ugly to me, I'll be ugly to you. But what abundance does, the abundance of the love of God says, no matter how you act to me, I'm going to love you from the love of God, out of the love of God. But the only way we can do that model Jesus Christ is by digging into the deep well of the love of God. You've got to have a source to pull from. This week, we're going to talk about something that I believe... It's truly transformational, and it's joy in our thinking. 
God's design for joy in our thinking. Thinking so important. Uh, Proverbs 23, 7 says this, that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's how important our thinking is. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. What you think about, what you obsess about, what you meditate on, you will become. God wants to have control of your heart so he can have control of your thinking. And his design is to put joy in your thinking, but joy has to be in your heart. See, because if it's not, then we can get locked into thinking that it could just totally bring us down, can totally pull us into a spiral. That's not God's design. And here's the goal for today, the main point for today, that in order to have joy in our thinking, we have to have the mind of Christ. In order to have joy in our thinking, we have to have the mind of Christ. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16. Scripture says this, Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a powerful truth. But in order for us to have joy in our thinking, we have to have the mind of Christ. So how do we get the mind of Christ? And so what I want to do this morning is I just kind of want to break this down. And I want to start as we look at Philippians chapter 3 and look at some obstacles to joy in our thinking that Paul talks about here. Some pitfalls that God gives us in advance to avoid. To avoid the pull to be sucked into, allow our thinking to be sucked into to avoid these things. But then I want to go and talk about the promise that God gave us to put joy in our thinking. And then finally I want to talk about how we put it all together and how we do it. And I don't want to lose you, and I don't want this to be bogged down, but I want us to be able to grasp this so that today we can walk away and apply this and put this to work in our life. And so I want to connect the dots with that. Is that okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to start at the very end of Philippians chapter 3, in verses 18 through 21. And here Paul is talking, and he's talking with this great emotion because he loves the church here in Philippi with the love of the Lord, and his heart is filled with joy concerning the church there. And this is God's heart for us. But listen to this. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body, Paul here is saying, listen, this is something that, that drives me even to tears because there's some, there's some, you've seen the pattern in the world that are enemies of the cross of Christ, but this even transitioned into the church a little bit. It's even, it's even came into some people who should know better. And Paul says, listen, there's three things that they are falling into a trap of. Three things concerning their thinking. And the first thing that he talks about is this, is that they forgot the benefits of the cross. They forgot the benefits of the cross. He says, they're enemies of the cross of Christ. They forgot the benefits of the cross. They forgot what Jesus provided them at Calvary. And it's very easy for us to do. Listen, when we get, begin to get 
trapped in the thinking of the world, to lose sight of the benefits of the cross, to lose sight of our redemption, to lose sight of our righteousness. The fact that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of sin, we lose sight of that. We begin to give sin too much authority in our life, the, the, the power of sin too much authority in our life, and when we do that, we lose sight of our righteousness. This is what Paul's talking about. And the second we lose sight of our righteousness, we cease to walk as sons and daughters in the inheritance that God has given us, which means this, that we no longer walk in the inheritance of the love of God or the peace of God, the joy of God or the hope of God. See, this is what the benefit of the cross provides for us. When we understand that at the cross that Jesus broke the yoke and the weight and the, 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 the bondage of sin over us, and we realize that sin doesn't have victory in our life anymore, then we can step into the place of understanding because of that truth, He has also made us righteous, meaning that we can stand right before Him. And the reason that we stand is the righteousness of God is because when we come into faith, into Jesus Christ, that He calls us a son, He calls us a daughter. It gives us an inheritance. The second thing that Paul says is a trap that they fell into is that they became addicted to pleasure. They became addicted to pleasure. I know, listen, it's going to get better. These, these are just things that we're, we're looking at to avoid. Addicted to pleasure. But it said this. It says, their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And they glory in their shame. What happened is this, is that they carried an addiction. They carried a bondage in their life. And instead of allowing God to heal them and to, to break that addiction in their life, they began to agree with that addiction, and that addiction became their identity. Undic- addiction, undealt in our life, becomes identity for us. There's a reason why we have to understand the benefits of the cross, because as we do, When you understand that you are the righteousness of God, if you are dealing with an addiction, they will collide. And the righteousness, the understanding, the revelation of the righteousness of God will help you overcome an addiction. What Paul's here saying is, listen, some people have gotten into wrong thinking because they've allowed their their belly to become their God. They've they've given way to addiction, but it's gotten to the point where they are glorifying themselves in their shame. It's, it's what they identify as. And Paul says, listen, it should not be so for you. You're a citizen of heaven. And the third thing, the third trap, is they became earthly minded. And all that means is that they were tied too closely to the pattern of the world. They got stuck in the rat race. They got stuck just keeping the blinders on where all they saw was their head down, grinding, 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 working to get ahead, living to get ahead. And they never looked up and began to say, God, what are your thoughts for me on this earth? They got trapped in earthly minded. And listen, if there's one thing that could befall all of us, it's, it's this. It happens subtly sometimes in our life where we start to get trapped in the rat race and we just kind of go, we grind it out and we begin to even say it's, it's okay because what we're doing is trying just to get us ahead. But see, listen, here's the thing is that these pitfalls ultimately pull us away, but God has designed, designed something better for us to bring joy into our thinking. And so he gives us this promise 
And we see the promise first shown in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Paul says this, listen, choose to allow joy fill your thinking. Rejoice in the Lord. When Paul says this, this is what he means. He's saying, listen, choose to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Choose to have the mind of Christ. Rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on and says, listen, it's no trouble for me to say this over and over again. You're going to hear me tell you this many times, and I'm not going to stop telling you this. You're going to hear Paul say, rejoice in the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Take on the mind of Christ over and over again. Why? Because it is a safeguard for your heart. When we choose to agree with the promise of God's design for joy in our thinking, it guards our heart. As we choose to rejoice in the Lord, it guards our heart. Now think about that in the context of some of the things that you're going through right now. Maybe all you see is down, but if you choose to agree with God's design and look up and say, God, I'm going to choose to rejoice in you, what God promises is that he's going to safeguard your heart. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful design. He puts a safeguard around our heart. He leads us in the path of life. Paul goes on and he says, listen, this, and begins to talk about his journey of how he achieved this. And he goes and says, listen, if anybody could boast in their flesh, I, I could boast in my flesh. And he gives this resume. He begins to talk about how he was trained and who he was trained under and how he was a rabbi, a teacher of the law, that he knew the law inside and out. And at one point in his life before he knew Christ, he boasted in this, that this occupied his thinking. But he said, listen, I came to faith in Jesus and I realized that everything that I thought was right thinking was actually garbage. That when I found Jesus and I applied this truth to my life, I realized where the true source of joy comes in my thinking. And he begins to frame out this promise. I want to show you this in Philippians 3. Verses 7 through 11. All right. I love this. If any of you just kind of come to that, that place in your life, maybe where you thought one way, and then all of a sudden you're like, boom, nope, that's wrong. It's kind of like have that eureka moment, that, that light bulb comes on, and you realize, man, I've been thinking the wrong way. I know I have. And here Paul talks about that experience for him. He says this in verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, having a righteousness, oh, I'm sorry, have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
This was Paul's eureka moment when he came to faith. He realized that God was transforming his thinking, that everything he had thought before was garbage. And he said, listen, it's it's garbage compared to the surpassing knowledge of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When I put my faith in Jesus, I understood where true joy comes from in my thinking, knowing that I stood righteous before God. Knowing that the pursuit of my life where I sought to gain something, where I thought I knew something, where I thought it had value, I realized they all fell short. But when I came to the understanding, the revelation of what it meant to be righteous before God, I understood where true joy comes from in my thinking. And then he goes in verse 10 and 11, and he gives a framework for the promise. Verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ. I want to have the mind of Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection, the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Three things that Paul says, I want to come into the revelation, a deeper revelation, because when I do, when I do, I am taking on the mind of Christ. And when I have the mind of Christ, joy can come into my thinking. Three things, he says. First is the resurrection. He wants to walk in the power of the resurrection. See, Paul knew Jesus. He wasn't just talking about the power of the resurrection concerning salvation, concerning coming to Christ and receiving the security of knowing when he breathed his last breath that he would go to heaven. But what he was talking about is saying, I want to know the power of the resurrection in every area of my life. I want to know the power of the resurrection in my relationships. I want to know the power of the resurrection in my thinking. Paul says this and he says, listen, taking on the mind of Christ, I have to know that. And there's several things that the resurrection tells us that we need to know too. And when we get this solidified in our thinking, it will establish joy in us. (laughs) First is this, is that the resurrection secures victory over sin. If you're taking notes, you can just jot this down. Romans 4.25 tells us this. The resurrection secures victory over sin. What does the resurrection say? The blood of Jesus provided the pathway. The cross says one thing. It was the sacrifice. It was the the payment. But the resurrection says something else. The empty tomb says something else. It says that the sacrifice that Jesus gave for my sin and your sin, humanity's sin, was received. That means that the power of sin has been broken. For some of you, that is amazing news Because whatever has trapped your yesterday, condemnation or thinking about your past, is broken over you. That's what the resurrection says, and that's what Paul's saying. See, listen, he just got done saying, here's my resume, and this is who I was, and all this led me to be a murderer. I killed Christians when I was Saul before I became Paul. And even though I could boast in that, There's a part of that that keeps pulling me backwards. And so what I've got to do is to know and have the mind of Christ. And I want to know the power of the resurrection that breaks my yesterday because I know through the resurrection 
that sin has been broken and defeated in my life. The resurrection also tells us that we have a position and we have power. Because Jesus was received, we also, when we place our faith in Jesus, are received too. We have positional authority, and that's so important. Because Paul says this, and he says, listen, that when I know the power of the resurrection, I'm not coming in to God and approaching God as a whipped dog. I'm not approaching God as a flawed person, but through the blood of Jesus and the accepted gift of Jesus Christ, I am approaching God with confidence because Jesus is accepted. By placing my faith in him, I'm accepted. I have a position. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm the righteousness of God. And this is what Paul's saying. He said, listen, I want this to be secured in my thinking. I want to know Christ. I want to have the mind of Christ. Because when I have this, I'm going to have joy. See, hold on, park, stop. I think some of this is slipping. Just, it's flying over. Okay, so let's bring it down. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. One more time. Paul was in prison when he wrote this. You don't talk about joy when you're in prison unless you understand the power of the resurrection. Unless you understand that death is not your final stop. That's why he wrote, for me to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. He didn't fear either side. And he said, I'm going to continue on to what God has called me to do because the mind of Christ is in me. And part of that is knowing the resurrection power of Jesus. It starts there. It is the nucleus. It is the hub from which everything else comes out of in our relationship with God. Because if you don't believe that you're accepted as a son or daughter, you will never approach God in the full measure where you will be able to receive the full measure of the love of God. If my kids did not think that they loved me, they would never get close enough to me for me to hug them. Does that make sense? If they were afraid of daddy and they thought that every time they came to daddy that they were going to get, you know, yelled at or scolded or beat or whatever it is, they would never get close enough to me. But because they have tasted of my love, they come into my presence and they receive love in my presence. And when we have the mind of Christ, we can come joyfully into the presence of God. All right, let's keep going. All right, so... The second thing that Paul says here in framing this out, he says, I want, to know, I want to know the power of his resurrection, okay? And then he goes into just this different turn. He goes, I want, to, I want to also participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. What? Weird. What's Paul talking about? He wants to suffer for Jesus? He wants to die for Jesus? No. He goes back... Philippians chapter 2. And he says, let this same attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He became obedient to death. And see, this is the part of the promise here, is that we understand the resurrection power, but in order for it to work in our life, we've got to humble our hearts and become obedient to its truth and receive it and agree with it. And that's what Paul's saying here, is he's saying, listen, I, I want to I be able, in those, in those tough moments in my life, 
when my yesterday sneaks up on me, when condemnation kind of tries to creep up on me, or I'm feeling down, or I feel like, hey, who am I writing to in this prison cell? Because I don't know if they're getting these letters. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening with the things, God, you called me to. You sent me all over the world, and now I'm in a prison. When, when that starts to sneak up on him, what he is saying here is he's saying, God, <laughs> keep my eyes fixed on the resurrection and help me to choose the resurrection even when it's hard. Paul's making the confession here, and he's saying, I want to be obedient the same way Jesus was. I want to choose. See, this is what sometimes we don't understand about our walk with God, is we think God does all the heavy lifting to transform our life, but we still have to agree with him. We still have to choose him. We still have to obey him. And then the third thing he says is, in verse 11, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. And here's what Paul is saying here. He's talking about something figurative, or he's talking about something in the future. He's talking about when his body and every one of our bodies will be resurrected and turned into glorious beings with Christ Jesus at the resurrection. But he's also saying something else. He's saying, I want to be someone who lives alive to the things of Christ and is dead to the pattern of the world. See, what he's saying is, I want to, I want to before I take my final breath, before my body becomes resurrected, what I want to do is, on the earth, I want to live as somebody who is dead to this world and alive to Christ. This is my goal. Paul sets a goal out in front of him, and he says, listen, I want to know Christ. I really want to have the mind of Christ because I know that I'll have joy. And so it starts at the resurrection power. It comes in obedience and agreement. And it comes with the goal of saying, listen, my goal is to live more heavenly minded than earthly minded. And that's the goal for every one of us. That's the promise of having joy in our thinking. It's when we say, God, listen, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on the, on the resurrection, on your power. That I'm going to live in this world with my eyes fixed on heaven. So how do we do this? How do we do this? Paul gives us a model here in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I love this. It says, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Where do we start? If our goal is to have the mind of Christ and to have the joy of the Lord in our thinking, where do we start? We start here. The first thing that we have to do is understand there's redemption from the past. There's redemption from the past. Some of you this morning may be sitting in here in a place where your yesterday is trapping you, is holding you back. Like Paul said, listen, the first thing that I do is I forget what is behind me. I forget what's behind me. And understand the only way that I can forget what's behind me is understand that at the cross, Jesus provided redemption from my past. Redemption from my past. That means this, that condemnation is broken over me. The lies of the enemy that try to sneak up to remind me of what I was or my shortcomings, the things that I fail at, 
that is broken in me. And I have to actively choose to forget it by keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. Let me give you a key for this because some, some of you uh, this morning, again, you may, you may feel that sometimes when you sin, you go back to your starting point. If you've been stuck in a pattern in the past where sin and, and, and addiction or things have grasped you and held you back and you found freedom, and maybe at some point you have slipped up and you hear a lie in your head, in your heart that says you're a failure, that says that you will never be what God has called you to be or you will never be anything significant, let me give you a key. And it's set into the DNA of this house, and I, and I love this key. It's found in 1 John 1.9. It says this, that if you will confess your sin... He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What's the key to breaking condemnation in our life? Even when we fail from time to time, it's to stand back up and say, Jesus, I am sorry. I'm sorry I did this. I receive the revelation of your righteousness that you, through your blood, have cleansed me from this sin. And you call me righteous. See, when you do that, what happens is you break the voice of condemnation in your life. Proverbs says an amazing scripture. It says this, that the righteous man may stumble seven times, but he gets up. And the man or woman who says, I'm righteous, that it leans into that promise. In 1 John 1, 9, listen, you understand that when you fail, you get back up and you confess your sin. You say, God, you are righteous to forgive me, and you call me the righteousness of God. Paul had to do this. He had to forget his yesterday, and forgetting his yesterday came through the power of redemption, that God had redeemed him from his past. Don't go dig up past condemnation in your life. Don't go dig that up. Protect your words. Protect your thoughts. The second thing that we have to do is we have to have purpose for today. We have to have purpose for today. Paul says this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. You have to have purpose for today. You have to know what God says about you. How do you know that? You know that through the Word of God. It starts there. You know that as you get into the Word. Listen, this is one of the most important things that the Word of God can provide for you. As you get in it, you understand what God says about you. You also understand that through fellowship. That when you're in a family that is encouraging and loves you, you know what God is saying about you. That's one of the things that I love about our growth track. We have a growth track going on right now is that in the third week you discover some of the things that maybe you didn't know about yourself, that God designed you. And when you know that, you have purpose for today. You know, I, I enjoy working out, but I, I figured something out about my, my workout style, is that I cannot can just, I don't have enough motivation to keep working out if I don't have a goal. Anybody else like that? Like, you're like, I want to be fit, but if I don't have a goal, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to run. Like, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy running to prepare for a race, but I absolutely hate running just to run. Like, if I'm going to try to, like, get fit, I do not like running. 
I do not mind running if I have a purpose in front of me. Why? Because purpose does something to us. It brings hope, doesn't it? Purpose brings hope. And when we understand the purpose of God, and this is what Paul's saying, he's saying, listen, not only do I have to forget yesterday, but I've got to go somewhere. I've got to understand what God is saying about me. And Paul grabs so hard on to the, the revelation of, of Jesus' calling for him, the call that he had to go and to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. He allowed that to change and transform his identity. He had hope in him. The third thing is this. We have to have God's plan for tomorrow. We have to have God's plan for our tomorrow. We have to have something that we have as a goal that we press on toward. And Paul said it like this, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Every one of you here has something that God has designed for you to make a difference at. We believe that so firmly at this church, and you've got to lock on to that. You've got to see that no matter if your yesterday was miserable, no matter if your yesterday had a failure in it, God has still got a hold of your tomorrow. He's still calling you to something in, t- in your future. And you've got to lock into that. When that happens, you have something to run toward. And this is how joy comes in our thinking. This is how joy comes in our thinking. Justin, you come on up. In Philippians 3, 15 and 16. Paul says this, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul leaves a couple of first steps out there for us to take. Things that we can take today as we allow God to redeem our past and we allow hope to be built in our heart for today and tomorrow. Listen, if if there's not hope in your heart, if you don't know the hope that comes through Jesus Christ, if you don't know the hope of what He has called you to, listen, don't, don't leave here today without spending some time asking God, without allowing us to pray with you, without allowing something to transpire in your heart that secures that hope. These f- first few steps, this is what Paul says, and very simply, and says, listen, start, start where you're at. Start where you're at. When it comes to putting joy in your thinking, start, start where you're at. He says, only let us live up to what we've already attained. There's reason for you to be joyful today. There's something for you to be joyful today. If you know Jesus, if everything else is falling apart in your life, but you know Jesus, you have a reason to rejoice. Start where you're at. Maybe you have a wonderful spouse. Rejoice. Start where you're at. Your children are healthy. Start where you're at. You know what God's called you to, even though you're not just directly stepping in it yet. Rejoice in that. Start where you're at. Listen, I, let me say that again. I, I, wanna, I just kind of want to let that one go in a little deeper. If you know what God's called you to, but you haven't stepped out in it yet, rejoice in the Lord. 
Rejoice where you're at. Say, God, thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling me. And he says, listen, desire to grow. Paul says, and at some point, if some of you think differently, God will make that clear to you. He'll make it clear to you. If you desire to grow in your thinking and allow the joy of the Lord to fill your thinking, God's going to do it. As you choose to trust and obey Him, as you focus on the power of the resurrection, that you're the righteousness of God, God's going to do that. He's going to do that. And as you begin to understand God's thoughts and you hear God's voice, and as He speaks to you, step out and do it. Believe it. Confess it. And live it. Confess it. Some of you this morning, that you need to begin to confess who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to allow that to fill your, fill your heart. We're going to close in prayer in just a second, but one of the things that transformed my thinking and allowed joy to come in my thinking, I realized this about myself, that I'm a, I'm a huge critic of my own self. That I would find myself muttering to myself, that's stupid. That's so dumb. And what I realized was this, is that I was agreeing with a lie in my thinking, and I was stealing joy from my thinking. And what I had to do is to, listen, I had to repent, and I had to say, God, I'm sorry that I'm not believing what you said about me. I'm not receiving that. I receive what you said about me. I receive that what you've called me and who you've made me. But I had to begin to confess the truth of what God was saying about me. That's a process. But here, even Paul says that. He says, listen, it's okay. Start where you're at. Start where you're at. Trust God. If you desire to grow, trust God because He's going to add the growth. But begin to step out in the things that God's called you to do. Believe it. Confess it. Do it. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray. And God is so good. Some of you this morning, the, the, the ministry that needs to happen is that you just need to kind of make a place for yourself and say, right where you stand, just say, God, I'm inviting the joy of the Lord into my thinking. Got to get active about it. Got to say, listen, I need the joy of the Lord in my thinking. I need to have the mind of Christ. If that's you this morning as we pray, just, just lift your hands. Just make a, an altar right there before the Lord and say, God, just, just begin to renew my mind to the truth of what you've called me to be, that you've made me righteous. Renew my, my heart to the truth of what you are calling me to do. Let joy come and fill my thinking. This morning, if that's you as we pray, Father, we, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus for your joy. Lord, in every area of our life, we know that the model that you gave us for joy comes through Christ Jesus. And so we just fix our eyes on Jesus Christ right now. Lord, every person here, Father, that is, Lord, struggling under their, their yesterday, Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we break, we break that yoke off of them. Father, we thank You in the name of Jesus that under Your precious blood that condemnation is broken. 
And that, Father, we are free to begin to fix our eyes and, Lord, allow hope to fill our hearts, to put us in a place, God, of dreaming with you again. And listen, if that's you this morning, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're struggling under your yesterday, I just want you to slip up your hand. Nobody's looking. I see a few hands out there. Thank you. I'm just coming into agreement with you right now in the name of Jesus that the weight of condemnation, the fear of yesterday, the pain of yesterday, the sin that entangled you yesterday is broken through the blood of Jesus. And that He has redeemed you. He has called you. He has set purpose in your life. And that your tomorrow is filled with hope through the name of Jesus. I just want you to receive that. And let your confession be, God, I'm allowing you to renew my mind to understand that you have made me righteous, that I am a son or a daughter of the King. Father, we thank you. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. This morning, if you don't know the love of Jesus that comes comes through the cross, that you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, before we leave today, the Bible says very simply that if you confess Jesus Christ, if you believe that what He did at the cross, when He allowed His body to be broken and His blood to be shed, is sufficient, meaning that it was able, it had the power to break the weight of sin off of your life. If you receive that gift of the cross by faith, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you become a son or daughter of God. The Scripture also says this, and I want to be perfectly clear, that there's no way to get to the Father except through the gift of Jesus Christ. You're not going to be good enough You're not going to confess sins to somebody enough, but it's only through the precious blood of Jesus. And if you haven't made that decision this morning, if you will simply say in your heart and with your mouth, Jesus, I believe in you and I believe that what you did at the cross is enough for me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. The Bible says that you're saved. What a great gift. Father, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for sealing this time in us in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have a couple of ministry teams come up. This morning we close every service with the availability for ministry. If you need prayer for anything, maybe there's something that you're going through in your life that you need somebody just to join in and agree with you in prayer. If you're going through something in your physical body, you have a sickness, we believe that one of the benefits of the cross is this, is that Jesus covered and took the punishment and the weight of our sickness off of us. That we can trust Him for our healing. And we want to pray for you with that, if, that, if that's what you're going through. If you need ministry at all, please don't leave this place without coming up. And even if you don't want somebody to pray with you, but you want to have time here in front of the altar, that's fine. That's here for you. We love you so much. If you're part of the growth track today at 1220 across the street in the cafe is when we're going to have that class. We love you so much. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a great week.